This is the Local Action for Our Environment podcast series, brought to you by the Local Government Association. Hello and welcome to the Local Action for Our Environment podcast, brought to you by the Local Government Association. I'm Councillor Liz Green, Vice Chair of the LGA's Improvement and Innovation Board with Lead Responsibility for Climate Change. As you may be aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. And in this podcast, we delve into the climate emergency and explore how councils can effectively engage with their communities. In the last episode, we discussed the challenges of informing and educating our local communities. Today, we'll be looking at another challenge to effective public engagement, collaboration. With my guest speakers, we will be discussing how the public can be involved in decision-making on climate change, how councils can work with residents and communities, and how to engage communities through these methods. Before we get started, just wanted to ask, do you know what types of input from the community might be useful to the councils in developing their climate action plans? And how did Kendall Town Council reward and incentivise their jury members? While you're listening to this episode, see if you can find the answers and I'll check in with you again at the end. For this episode, I'm delighted to be joined today by Sarah Allen, Director of Capacity Building and Standards at Involve, and Chris Bagshaw, Town Clerk for Kendall Town Council. Sarah, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your work at Involve? Yeah, sure. So Involve is a public participation charity and we have a vision of a vibrant democracy with people at the heart of decision making. Now, what that means we do in practice is that we develop, support and advocate for new ways of involving people in the decisions that affect their lives. Over the years, so we were founded in 2003, we've worked on many different issues and using many different engagement methods for many different people. So national government, parliament, local government, public sector bodies and community groups as well. And our work on climate change has ranged from the big national citizens assemblies. So Climate Assembly UK and Scotland's Climate Assembly to some of the local climate assemblies in Camden, Bristol, Jersey, for example, to community-led work on what a community-led just transition would look like, for example, our work in Selby at the moment. So my own work's covered both ends of that scale. I led the delivery of Climate Assembly UK for the UK Parliament, and I'm now leading Involves work on our Zero Selby, which is a project on community-led just transition with Forum for the Future in Selby District ABS. So how can councils work with their communities to ensure that residents have their decision-making power over the action plans for climate emergency and are even accountable for its delivery? That's a huge question. So I'm going to start with three three points. Um, So the first uh, thing to say is I think I'm interested in in the framing of your question is about residents having decision-making power over the climate action plan. Public participation in decision-making, I mean, can involve giving residents decision-making power, final decision-making power. So if you have things like participatory budgeting, where people are voting on what projects should be funded, for example, then they do have that final decision-making say. But more often, it's about understanding residents' preferences in an advisory way or tapping into their ideas, their creativity, their energy, their lived experience to inform decision-making and to inform plans. So that's, that's the first point. The second is, I think, when councils are thinking about engaging their community, it's important to think about what community is. So I think there's probably two different levels on which councils could engage their community um, around the Climate Action Plan. So one is about engaging individual residents and thinking about how to do that. And the other is thinking about how to engage collectives, so how to engage community groups, local businesses and others to inform the plan as well. Um, And I think it's important to look at both. 
And, and the last point I think that, I, that I'll start with is that whichever of those you're doing, whether you're engaging individual residents or you're engaging collectives, it's important that councils think through kind of for themselves before they start some key questions about the engagement. And this is what we'd call taking a design approach. So, for example, thinking about what the purpose of the engagement is really clearly who they want to reach, what level of involvement they're offering people. So are they offering people that final decision-making say, or is it advisory, or is it about co-production where you're kind of working out what the question is together and solutions to it and potentially delivering together? And how is what they hear going to feed back into that decision-making process? Do the timings work for that? What are the internal mechanisms and processes for that to feed back in and be really useful? Thanks for that. And and how do we make the council accountable for its delivery of the climate action plan? Is that something that you're involved in? A little bit. I think that's a newer area of engagement. So if we're talking about the community holding the council to account for what it does, and what we're beginning to see is people experimenting with permanent citizens assemblies or permanent citizens juries or structures that kind of repeat every year. So we've got Newham, for example, looking at how to do this now in the UK. And there's quite a lot of examples from abroad. So you could see a situation where particularly, um, well, I guess whether it's about preferences or ideas where you've got an initial set of engagement, the council says what it's going to do off the back of that engagement. And then you reconvene those people, you reconvene a similar set of people, say a year on and the council reports back on what it's done and residents sort of feedback on how they see that as how it's going and what they'd like to see more or differently going forward. So it, there are ways to do it, but I'd say it's, it's less developed than the initial input at the moment. You touched on the types of inputs from the community that might be useful to, to councils in developing their plans. Have you got more uh, that you can give us on that? Yeah, I have. And I think it's an area that isn't often thought through as clearly as it could be and which is really interesting to explore. So broadly speaking I think there are at least three different types of input that councils could seek from the community to inform their climate action plan. So the first sort of input is around understanding preferences and perhaps particularly individual residents preferences to help inform the plan. So when we hear about kind of the climate assemblies and climate juries that are happening at the moment it's often about this so it's areas you know policy areas where there are choices about the way forward trade-offs to be made um, thinking about how to get to a particular goal, choices about how to do that. And it's about understanding what residents would, would support and why they'd support it. And they really explore the, that those preferences in quite a lot of depth, assemblies and juries. So that's one thing. But it's not the only thing that you could be looking for input on. So the next thing that type of input that can be useful is insight and ideas to help inform the plan. And I think people often underestimate the capacity of individual residents and also kind of community groups and collectives in their area to come up with really useful ideas and new ways of thinking. So you will get some of that from citizens, assemblies and juries. They'll definitely give you insight into why people think what they do. But there are other methods that are as good or better here. So crowdsourcing for ideas, for example, online or offline, and particularly here around involving um, the collective. So making sure you're going out to community groups and businesses, understanding what barriers they're facing um, to doing more themselves on climate, understanding what they see as the opportunities where they've got appetite for what they'd like to do more. Um, and making sure that, that all those ideas and, um, and insights really from the local area are feeding into the plan. Um, and then the other sort of input, we, you kind of asked me about it earlier, and I didn't really address it in answering the last question, is about involvement in delivery itself. 
so those collective groups, the community groups, businesses and so on, can take on some of the delivery uh, potentially for councils. And some of that might come from how you've done your engagement. So if you've done something like create, develop a pot of seed funding for small amounts of money for local groups to take forward ideas, or if you've done participatory budgeting um, where people then vote on those ideas and what should get funded, you've automatically got groups looking to deliver with you. Um, there's also co-production where you're kind of developing solutions with people, you know, defining the problem and developing solutions with them and potentially delivering with them. And then they're kind of even more kind of joint ventures, I suppose. So IPPR recently published a report called Climate Commons. And one of their recommendations in that was that local authorities establish joint ventures with community enterprises to develop community owned green assets. So that's like kind of another dimension to it. And that's a really good report. If you're interested in that kind of community owned and shared ownership idea, that Climate Commons report has quite a few ideas for what councils could do to share delivery with other people. That's great. And that will be put uh, the link to that in our, our show notes as well. So um, plenty for people to be able to read. Uh, we're about to hear from Chris um, at Kendall Town Council. Um, and obviously we have different tiers of local government. But how can um, town councils, parishes and even if we don't have those local residents um, associations play a role in enabling this resident decision making or influence? So there's a number of things they can do. Um, so first of all, they can seek that input into their own decisions to so the, the responsibility that they do have, whether that's about understanding preferences, crowdsourcing ideas, making sure they're really understanding barriers and opportunities within the bit of the community that they serve. So that's one thing they can do. Um, the other thing that they can do is to support residents and groups in their area to get involved in opportunities to influence decisions being made by others. So that might be decisions being made by other levels of local government, by service providers, by community initiatives. Um, so that might be about them having, making sure they have really good connections within the local area, I'm sure most of them do, um, to allow them to, to do that really easily. It might be about them running their own events as part of wider initiatives or helping to amplify the voice of local residents and groups with those other decision makers. So, for example, with the work on Our Zero Selby, there'll be uh, stuff about that online quite shortly. We don't have a link at the moment, but we're working with the county council and the district council but also looking to collaborate with the parish councils um, in the area to make sure that they're fully involved both as bodies themselves but that they're helping us connect into the communities that they serve. Th thanks for that Sarah um, and some fascinating stuff in there and um, Climate Assembly UK was a high profile example of engaging with the public in climate decision making uh, but there are multiple local climate assemblies and juries that have also received attention and I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Bagshaw because uh, I believe that you've been involved in Kendall's uh, climate change citizens jury. Can you tell us a little bit about that, your role and, and your job? <laughs> sure. Thanks, Liz. I'm the town clerk at, at Kendall Town Council. And uh, important thing to point out is that I was the town clerk appointed just last October. Uh, so my predecessor actually was involved in the establishment of, of the of the climate jury. Um, but one of the strengths of the system was that that, that wasn't a problem. Um, the, uh, the process that we adopted was able to deal with uh, a number of staff and personnel uh, changes. Uh, the, 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 the officer who was actually allotted to this task went on maternity leave almost as soon as it started and then we, we leapt straight into a pandemic and uh, the whole process was actually almost invented as it went along. Um, 
in a quite, uh, well, in the end, a very successful way of, of meeting with a jury. Um, so the town council got into this process by the sort of hoary old route that, that a lot of people were considering back in 2018, 2019, by declaring a climate emergency. The climate emergency declarations by councils up and down the country uh, was, was one of the means that people were drawing attention to, to the climate uh, crisis. But I think a lot of people shared a certain cynicism that said it's very easy for councils to, to pass resolutions in council. Uh, it's a lot harder to actually do anything about it, to, to establish structures and um, to establish any mechanism for, for dealing with, with what has been said is, is a, a, a terrible thing that's happened. You know, it's, it's a bit like uh, councils declaring an end to child poverty, uh, rubbing their hands and then going, going to the pub after the meeting and saying what a terrible thing it is. The establishment of the climate jury was a, an interesting thing because no town council, uh, and we're the parish tier authority in Kendall, um, in, a, in currently a still a three tier uh, authority um, area, no town council had, had ever done this uh, for a town itself. And we, we started with that basic premise. How would we respond? How should Kendall respond to this climate emergency? How, how would we do it? And the, the jury process offered a way of almost fast tracking a publicity exercise and also a market research exercise. So the, 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 the climate jury um, establishment itself, we were, we were very, very helped in this process by Shared Future, um, who, who had done a number of projects in uh, Leeds and Lancaster and, and other places. They helped us uh, select a jury from the town. 4,000 4, people were, were invited to consider whether they wanted to take part. And uh, from the responses we we got we got a representative sample of 20 good citizens of, of the town re representing right across the, uh, the, the age and uh, economic structure of the town which is quite varied we've got 30,000 people so you know we, we, we represent as a, as a market town in the Lake District a, a snapshot if you like of, of, of English society as it is at the moment and we, we, we got 20 people and said well what do you think uh, we should do and with our colleagues at Shared Future, we, we worked through 10 sessions because we'd dropped into the pandemic. Shared Future invented a new methodology for, for doing those. The, the, the whole exercise, which used to involve flip charts and sticky notes and things like that, was, was done online, which was, was really quite impressive to turn that around. And uh, yeah, that, that process evolved. The council funded it a little bit, but we also put out a, a crowdfunder um, request because we didn't think that it was a task the, the town council had only got a budget of five thousand pounds and we reckon the whole lot would cost us about twenty thousand pounds so we we asked the general public to contribute and they did and we got some also contributions from our district council and the county council which was which was very helpful so so that that process emerged and the whole sort of governance uh, arrangement if you like was was done by an oversight committee which sort of kept an eye on how things were going and whether we were doing the right thing. And the oversight panel was a really interesting exercise in cross-party support. That was more of a pointees, but it was really done. So we had the NFU and Extinction Rebellion represented on the oversight panel. And I, I, I'm really proud of the way that we managed to keep everybody on board with that uh, all the way through the process so that, that it, it became a joint ownership from the sort of political class as well as the citizen group. So, so it, it, it worked on both levels. And, and as I say, I'm very proud of the way we managed to do that and continue to do that 
because at the end of the process, we came up with a recommendation list, nice long list. Here's 71 things that um, Kendall Town Council, uh, as just the, the, the parish tier authority can do, but also dragging in all the other tiers of local government and of um, interest groups and, and all the way up to government, um, recognising that we're starting very small just in, in, our, in our streets in Kendall. Yeah, can we take a step back, Chris? I just sure. want to understand, obviously there's a range of techniques that uh, you as the parish level authority could have taken to engage residents, and undoubtedly you do in, in other areas of work. So what made you pick um, having a citizen's jury um, over and above some of the other engagement methods that you will have done more traditionally to engage with your residents? I think there was a there was a there was a presentation um, to to a council meeting by Shared Future, um, which was quite persuasive. The town council, being a um, a fairly well based in its local community organisation, you know, we have newsletters, we have we've had forums and things like that in the past. We have open meetings, blah 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 blah. Uh, we, we're quite well experienced of, of dealing with uh, the local community, but we also have some quite divisive issues and the. Town Council was quite keen to step away from being the sole arbiter of what is and what isn't important, and 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 that seemed to that idea seemed to impress councillors. It's a much a much better idea to almost pass the baton of deciding what's important to a to a to a third party to a a, a group that has a uh, a real um, justification for its existence uh, and a real motive for action. So, so yeah, in the end, it came down to a council meeting. Uh, nice presentation. Two councillors spo sponsored it, and the rest of the council recognised that actually this was this was what we were looking for. This was a way of saying of converting that theory of climate emergency into a practice, practical something. Something must be done. What should be done? This. This is a starting point. And then we've then we've got a, a list of actions which somebody else has come up. Don't blame us. This is what the the other people came up with. And and how did you persuade people that they wanted to take part in this citizens jury? Well, surprisingly, people people were very keen to take part, but we didn't think that it was. It's quite an onerous task. I mean, if you imagine, uh, we had 10, 10 sessions, and the sessions were sort of two hours each, so that's twenty hours of of, of activity just on on the quite labour intensive process of of considering every. So we we did incentivise it. We 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 looked at what our options were and. We looked at our budgets and, and reckoned we could probably pay from our 20 members of the jury. We could probably pay them in vouchers. We wanted to keep the, the money locally. So we, we, we used um, local shop vouchers and, and they went up to about £200 in local shop vouchers or £20 a session per, per jury member. So it was, there, was a, there was a reward process. But I wouldn't say anybody got in it for pecuniary reasons. I don't think um, I think that was more of a token rather than a... Uh, anything else but it did it did soften the blow shall we say um so has your the citizens jury in kendall been a success um and and what's come out of it since it's early to say uh, ask me in 10 years time um when when we're looking at um maybe citizens juries and and the the, the imperatives that our citizens jury have, have considered to be the the most important uh, when that's spread right across the, the the country and 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 everybody's working in the same direction i think you know 10 15 years time we might know the incentive for this really comes from our own experience of the impact of climate change 2015 
Kendall was flooded in a way that Kendall had never been flooded before. Uh, we're a town in the Lake District and we, we know a thing or two about water. But uh, Storm Desmond delivered more water into the streets of Kendall than had ever been seen in living memory and beyond. Uh, and we now know that extreme weather events are one of the consequences of climate change. Uh, and, and, and that's something as those of us who, who live in the Lake District and those of us who live near big rivers have to come to terms with that these, these things are actually happening. It isn't just some sort of uh, some view of, of what's happening in the external factors. This is actually real for our town. We've got some micro tasks. The, the, the jury came up with, with a long list of recommendations. So how do we know that we're succeeding? Well, we, they, they gave us some easy, easy wins. We need to expand allotment provision because more people need to know where their food is coming from and need to renegotiate their own relationship with food production. One of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is, is that uh, we kept both, as I say, Extinction Rebellion on one hand and the National Farmers Union on side on this because both of them came together over the same issue. Uh, food production, local food production, cuts down climate miles cuts down carbon and all those things. So it's, it's a win-win for both sides. And yet, usually those two groups are not groups that, are, that, are, that sit easily side by side. And yet, in, uh, in September, through the climate jury, we've organised a, a farm visit to a local farm and you'll get all sorts of strange people turning up on, on a local farm to find out how local farmers are addressing uh, the, the, the issue of climate change. And I, I think that's a, that's a symbol of how successful this process was, of keeping people on board making this not a not a nakedly political thing we understand there is a political context to everything we do uh, as a town council we're we're bottom feeders in the political process my councillors are always walking the streets walk door to door canvassing for their next council election as always and I'm, I'm sure yours are list too they know what's coming and they know where the battle lines are drawn but in this process we've achieved a consensus which actually defies anybody to, to challenge whether this isn't what we should be doing. It is, it, 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 it's, it's, it's great to be in a process where people are going, yeah, of course we're going to do that, but what else are we going to do? Yeah, we can fight around the edges, but actually the, the general view is now that the climate is a real problem and needs addressing. And I think finding that general consensus and, and, and supporting that general consensus has been a real triumph for us as a, as a, as a, as a council organisation. Yeah, and, and it's really good to hear. And as you say, um, climate change is not a here and now straight away. You've you've cracked it. Um, it's obviously a long term program that you're you're just setting off on in, in Kendall. Um, what could we, the other councils, both at parish and town level, but also at the uh, top tier, learn from what you've done in Kendall? I think one of one of the, the the most important lessons we've learned is is that consensus approach. This isn't this isn't about party political point scoring. It has to be based on consensus, and so you have to you have to be talking to a broad church. You have to go across parties. You have to get everybody involved, and and speak to everybody and keep it at a higher level than political point scoring. Because if you descend into political point scoring, we will lose. We'll lose the fight, the fight against climate change. And, you know, towns like Kendall uh, will suffer as a consequence. Towns like London will suffer as a consequence because, you know, I've seen you've got quite a big river 
and I know it's it has a tendency to uh, to to get a bit uppity at times. Just those little things like water, uh, you're a bit short of it on occasions. We've got too much of it. Those things will really really take take control of of the way we live, and we'll end up fighting uh, in the way that they are doing in California now against the climate rather than doing anything about it, and and it'll become more important. So. Working towards a consensus, making sure that we keep it civil, keep it uh, everybody working in the same direction, everybody working towards the same aim, I think is a, is a real learning for us. Plus the fact that, you know, the, the, the usual little things, spot some small wins, know that you've got bigger ones. Uh, don't try and do everything at once, but know that there are things you can do and, and, and actually try and do something about them. It is a no-brainer to say that, you know, one-time water bottles should be phased out from council meetings uh, or, or from, from staff areas. You know, staff can be gently encouraged not to use one-time use uh, plastic bottles. That's quite simple and we can incentivize that right across the, the, the town. Uh, you know, there, there are lots of little things we can do that contribute to... to... One of the things that the, um, the jury implored us to do was show leadership. You know, show, show some actual leadership and one of those things in, in that leadership is in, includes working in a consensus manner and, and, and doing doing the little things. Yes, uh, fascinating, uh, Chris, and the, the idea that um, you're showing that leadership of place, which is so important role for all levels of council, um, and being able to, you know, walk the walk and talk, not just talk the talk, um, I think is, is vitally important. So would they be your top tips uh, for council, the collaboration side of things, or anything else that you, that comes to mind that would be a real top tip for councils that maybe haven't embarked quite as strongly as you have yet on the uh, climate action plan? They would. I think the, the jury process allowed us to show or to demonstrate that we were we were acting on behalf of our citizens. That was really quite an important thing. So that's a that's a that's a um, an imperative in itself. How do you know? It's always a question that's thrown at at, at new parish clerks when they're when they're um, learning their trade. How do you know that what your council does is what the people who your council serves want? And the climate jury process is a really good way of doing that. It's a really quite impressive way of demonstrating that you've got a degree of popular support, or or you you've actually tried to engage with people on what it is that they want. It isn't just about uh, you know lining up surveys and asking questions that you wanted to get the answers that you already had prepared it was actually getting somebody else to challenge us to, to reflect on what it was that we were doing and challenging us in the in the everyday organization of that of our existence if you like of our council structures everything that we do has a challenge related to climate change and we have to work through all those so so yeah if, if i had a top tip working in that consensus way but also the jury model is a really good way of, of bringing out a uh, almost a third party justification for action and a, a, a good way of, of cutting through some of the um, some of the political gap baggage that, that hangs around some of these issues and saying it's, it's not just about it's not just about political point scoring. There is a there is a, a an imperative that is above that. So I'm going to bring you back in, Sarah, um, because we were talking about the leadership of place element. Um, so when it comes to public engagement on climate change, uh, obviously councils 
can't do everything and they have a role to play in creating the space for and sometimes stepping out of the way of community action. Um, but just wanted to ask really both of you the, what community engagement, community action on climate change is already happening. You've given us some examples, but whether there's any more that you can tell us about. There's lots um, and, and covering many different sectors as well. So you have local groups working on local food production, on renewable energy, on low carbon housing, on community transport, on active travel. And I think you know, there's some good sources for people looking at the kind of detailed case studies. I'd have a look at that IPPR report, the Climate Commons, that we said we'd link to in the show notes. So they have examples of shared low carbon assets. So people who've done community owned renewables, local food co cooperatives, community land trusts, for example. And um, there's also the transition network that support like a wide range of local groups who are active um, in many different parts um, of, of the climate, the kind of different sectors affected by climate change. And there's also the National Lotteries Climate Action Fund who are supporting a wide range of groups. So I'd say the good news for councils is that there's lots of action already happening in communities across the country from this area that they can tap into and as as you say not have to do everything themselves one of one of the one of the methods that uh, say one of one of our um imperatives was to show some leadership in this and one of the things we've developed and, and we've got a lot of help from lga and the design council to 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 work through this idea is that we we're in the process of establishing a, a climate change hub an online facility where you look at a map of the town and go here's a load of initiatives that are meeting uh, some of the, the 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 issues of climate change. So you know whether there's a whether there's a, um, a heating system or whether there's a solar system or whether there's a new forestry being planned or whether there's a, a repair and renewal hub for uh, clothing and and furniture and things like that. All those things we're we're logging in a um, uh, a website hub that's that's mapped so that you can just ping on the thing and it'll tell you about what that initiative is. And and that's as I say one of the ways that we're attempting to show some some genuine leadership and say there's a lot going on out there get on board uh, it works for works for our town if you don't know uh, what the renewable heat issues are that are going on at the moment then you know ping on this and this will take you into that um, that direction so that's one way that we've we've started developing already the, the this idea of a, of, a, of a climate hub what's going on what can I do what's going on locally come onto our website and have a look well, I was going to say, we're also taking that out. We, we're renowned for our festivals in Kendal. We, we've got some fantastic array of festivals, from mountain festival through to, to walking festivals and uh, music festivals. And we're taking uh, a, a stand out to, to, to the festivals that, that people can interact with so they can learn about the issues uh, while they're enjoying our festivals. Uh, th that that's great and Chris you did touch on the district and the county because you're a two-tier system at the moment uh, up in Cumbria great three tier apologies uh with town and parish London councillor we yes we've first first tier if you will first tier <laughs> town and parish but I just wanted to ask how you were working with them you touched on it slightly um because obviously a lot of the people listening to this will be from um town or unitary sorry from unitary or or um district or county so how you worked with them so that everybody got the best out of it well again going back to the consensus thing roping in roping in councillors at all tiers uh one thing you all of us who work in the, the three-tier structures especially in town councils know is that there's no such thing as a as a person representing only one tier lift any rock and you'll find a dual-hatted councillor. 
in some shape or form. But actually working together with with across the tiers and 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 working with colleagues in the different local authorities. So so you know I, I I've and my my colleague uh, Helen, who's my project manager, uh, we work quite closely with uh, South Lakeland District Council and, and offices at Cumbria County Council to pursue our aims, if you like. And we've also co-opted some of the the, the larger initiatives. So the the um, local cycling and walking improvement plan we've just co-opted into the, the the battle against climate change because because that's going on at the moment and the government is very keen to to support and fund initiatives that promote cycling and walking and we're very we're very keen to to support uh, cycling and walking for our reasons so so in that respect we've got involved in initiatives that are coming from county council say who are our highway authority and our transport authority but also through the district council, parks and open spaces, and things like that, developing uh, initiatives on uh, biodiversity, and uh, you know, even down to the, the one of the things that, that parish councils uh, excel in is 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 in bloom. Britain in bloom, Cumbria in bloom is our local thing. Kendal in bloom, you know, this is the the super hyper local uh, thing that that the parishes do spectacularly well. Co-opting that into into the the, the climate change issue and making sure that that works on all levels to 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 um to support the same end uh again we work in in partnership with our district council who who do grounds maintenance in the town so working with district council grounds maintenance offices to ensure that biodiversity becomes an issue for them and that we are you know not not pursuing some of the old practices the, the green deserts of the past that uh, that, that that caused some of the problems that we we currently face, working with highway planners to ensure that that sud schemes are always considered to be the highest priority, um, because managing rainwater runoff is a is a huge priority. So so you know we we have to work across the tiers. We have to be able to uh, accept that the, the the tiers only work together when they work together. Uh, and if 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 we are silo driven, then then you know we're stuck. Indeed, indeed. Um, so we're nearly out of time. Um, Sarah, I, I just wondered if you can uh, give a final couple of tips on how councils can create the space uh, for this community engagement, for it to thrive and do really well. And if you've got any things that really we shouldn't be doing to encourage uh, climate action, cl uh, community action on climate. So top tip to allow community engagement to thrive. And if there is anything, what should we not be doing? OK, so quick top tips then. So I think what Chris has talked about with the hub and making sure that you're publicising what's going on locally so that people can see it, I think that's a great thing to do. And um, I also think how councils frame issues um, is really important. So what people working on climate often see is the co-benefits of climate action. So reductions in food or fuel poverty, the health benefits of it are actually often the benefits from the perspective of community groups and residents. So thinking about how you're going, what you're talking to people about, how you're framing that issue can, can help create more engagement. Um, the third tip, so communication uh, framing, the third tip would be to talk to groups to understand the situation um, as well as you can in the local area and to tap into all that resource, that energy, um, that uh, creativity. So talk to groups who are already active on climate and related issues, talk to groups who aren't but are maybe active on those areas of co-benefits and understand from their perspective you know, what they see as the barriers facing them, what ideas they'd love to do but they just need a bit of help from the council with, for example, so that you can really 
you know, maximise, help them to maximise what they're able to do. And then fourthly, if you have the capacity to do it, a little bit of like a challenge fund or small amounts of seed funding. It's, it's amazing what that can do for people just to you know get people to think about what they can do, come up with the ideas and provide them with a little bit of the means to do it. Right? You can go to full scale participatory budgeting, which is then getting people to vote on those ideas. But even if you don't, a little bit of funding just to get people going locally can be a really useful thing to do if you have the ability to do it. So there are some, some, some quick things to do. I guess what not to do is uh, kind of the opposite of those, just to, to work in splendid isolation, to ignore what's happening and not engage with existing groups and kind of miss out on all that energy uh, and the resources that they have, and to be closed about the challenges the council is facing rather than open about them. So if you go to groups and say, look, we've got this problem, we want to work with you to solve it, um, then you'll get all that input to it. Whereas if you're not open about the challenges you're facing, then you, you know people aren't going to help you to solve it because they don't know it exists and they can just get cross with you for not doing anything um, about problems that they've noticed. Um, and I think the other final point I'll make is to focus too much on the change required from individuals and miss out on the importance of what community groups and business groups and, and kind of other collectives can offer. You know, we hear a lot about the need for individual behaviour change, but if you just focus on get, engaging individuals in the local area, you miss out on so much capacity that you could be harnessing. I think Sarah touched on something there, which is the impact on individuals and, and, and going back to that collaboration thing, accepting that that one of the the, the, the the things we 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 would suffer if we do too much is become sort of preachy uh, holier than now type approach without accepting that individuals um, are either uh, financially disadvantaged by some 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 climate change proposals or they're just their liberties are, are being affronted you know we, we we're trying to we're trying to reduce the impact of traffic in Kendall there are a lot of people who really, really like driving around and, and think that it's a vital part. In London as well. So, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm by nature parochial. Um, the, the, but the, the issue is the same, which is unless you address why it is that people are reliant on, say, you know, I'm reliant on my diesel car. Uh, why am I reliant on my diesel car? Because there's no buses. There isn't a bus. There isn't actually a physical bus that I could catch that would take me to work. Well, why isn't there? Well, maybe it's because we're, we're geographically isolated. We suffer that as a county. We've been kind of geographically isolated for a long time. We used to have buses. Why don't we have buses now? What are the factors? Why, why am I going to be, why, why do I have to sacrifice something for some, some greater good that I can't identify? Now, we have to come back to the what's in it for me issue because that's what motivates people. And so accepting that, that there will be people who are, utterly utterly against what it is that you're trying to suggest and say oh, okay that's fine you know we, we need to accept that there are reasons for for, for our behavior but not getting too preachy about it and saying that this is a moral imperative uh, i think is is really important it's a it's a really difficult balancing act and i don't pretend to have the answers for that thank you and that's just about all we have time for in this episode at the beginning of the episode, I asked about the reward and incentive for jewellery members in Kendall. Did you spot the answer? It's local shop vouchers to reward their time and effort while keeping the money local, although it wasn't their only reason for taking part. We also asked what type of input from the local community might be useful for councils developing their climate action plans. Sarah's given us a lot of information, but in summary, preferences, ideas and support with delivery are key. Thank you for listening to the Local Action for Our Environment podcast. 
This episode was presented by myself, Councillor Liz Green, and produced by the Local Government Association. Many thanks to our guest speakers today, Sarah Allen and Chris Bagshaw. This podcast forms part of the LGA sector support programme available to councils to support their work on combating climate change. To learn more about the climate crisis and the LGA sector support programme, resources and materials will be linked in the episode show notes. You can also find out more information on the support pages of the LGA website at local.gov.uk and by signing up to our free monthly climate change e-bulletin. Thank you again for listening. Please do share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and we look forward to welcoming you again next time.